stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, listeners, to your Friday episode, and today you have two no-sleeps, the tales that nightmares are made of, or where mysteries are born and wrapped in a delicious burrito of suspense. Mates, I hope you're all doing fantastically, and happy Friday. Thank you to all those that are checking on my health still, you're too kind, and I'm almost 100%, almost. My nose is still blocked, but I'm making the most of it. It's really hard to say words that start with N for some reason. Now, today your two tales are, My Family Has an Odd Tradition, written by Bryony97. And your second tale is, Our Local Grocery Store Started Selling Products That Don't Exist, written by Like I Did. I'll add both their reddits in today's episode so you could find them. Check out their reddits and show them some love. The best way to ensure these lovely authors keep writing is to give them feedback. So if you enjoyed their tales, go on, let them know how much you enjoyed it. It'll make their day. Lastly, if you want to show the podcast some love, swing on by my Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt, where you can support the show directly. Now, turn the lights off, the sound up, and get ready for some creepy-licious tales. My family has an odd tradition. Keep the box closed! My mom snapped as soon as she entered my room. I've told you a million times, you never leave an empty box open. I rolled my eyes and grabbed some tape to seal up the box sitting in my room's corner. For as long as I can remember, my parents were adamant about making sure that empty boxes stayed closed. Despite there only being a few instances where this mattered, it had come up more often since we moved into a new place one summer. No matter how many times I'd asked my parents why it was so vital that we kept empty boxes closed, they always gave me the same answer. It's traditional. What did that even mean? What culture cares? about making sure boxes are closed. If there was one, I'm pretty sure it wasn't ours. But I knew trying to argue with them over something illogical was pointless, so I let it be for the most part. One night, I got curious and emptied out the box containing my video games and set it next to my bed. The next morning, I woke up to my parents setting the box on fire in the backyard. Jesus, it's just a box! I said a little too loudly. Noticing I was awake, my mum shot me a cold look and marched over towards me. I told you the boxes have to stay closed! She yelled, pointing a finger towards the fire as if I had caused it. I looked over to my dad for some support, but he only returned a blank stare and adjusted his glasses. For a moment, I thought I'd stepped into a crazy town and that my mum was the mayor. I put my hands on my hips and got ready to go to war. It's just a box! I don't know why either of you is so superstitious about it. I don't know why you can't just listen to your parents! My eyes grew wide, and I thrust my hands towards the still-burning box. Because I didn't think you set the thing on fire. You don't think this is a little extreme? My mum looked back at the fire, then turned around to me. She shook her head and lowered her voice, but kept the same stern tone. No, 
It's not. Bewildered, I simply asked, Why? She stayed silent until my dad walked over and put his hand on my shoulder. It's tradition, son. We just don't do it. I took a moment to process this. It just seemed crazy. I wanted to say something back, but I could see it wasn't going to go anywhere. Once again, I had to just let it go. Fast forward seven years, and I'm living on my own. I had just finished college, and I was moving into a new apartment. My girlfriend was over to help me move all my stuff, and as it started to get late, we decided to go out to eat. Before we left, I noticed an empty box next to my couch. I could hear my parents screaming in the back of my head to close it up before I left. But I was on my own now. I deserved the comfort of being able to make my own decisions. Plus, it was just a box. I wasn't going to start going down the crazy rabbit hole of believing that something terrible was going to happen. I decided to go out with my girlfriend and I spent the night at her place. The next morning, we came back for another round of unpacking and setting things up. The first thing I wanted to see was the box by the couch as proof that nothing crazy had happened. Honestly, I planned to call my parents after I'd seen that it was just sitting there as expected. But that's not what happened. I came back to find the box closed. I asked my girlfriend if she had come back to the apartment and closed the box. She just gave me a weird look and asked why she would do that. For a moment, I thought my parent had done it, but I knew they didn't have the keys to my apartment. I slowly walked over and moved it a little with my foot. The thing was heavy. Not so much that it felt like it was full of new stuff, but there was definitely something in there. I thought for a moment and figured maybe a raccoon or stray cat had somehow made its way inside and taken up residence inside the box. I told my girlfriend to open the front door while I slid the box over so that whatever it was could escape. I went to open the box and immediately jumped back at what I saw, yelling at its contents. My girlfriend rushed over and mirrored my reaction when she saw what was inside. It looked like an emaciated person was contorted just well enough to fit inside. Its hairless, mummified looking skin had varicose veins running across its body. Its distended stomach moved feverishly as if something was struggling to escape. But the most shocking were those perfectly circular sunken in eyes that immediately darted towards us, boring into our very souls. It shot one bony hand out of the box and placed it on the ground. Then its crooked legs, then another hand and a third, this one protruding from its chest. It pushed itself out of the box and at full extension, it stood head and shoulders above us. Our blood ran cold as it spoke from a mouth lined with needle-like teeth. You've disturbed my home, and now I'll take yours. I grabbed my girlfriend's hand and ran out the front door to her car. We shot out of there and never looked back. I tried calling the apartment to see if they could bring me some of my stuff, but they didn't seem so keen on doing that for someone who had left with no explanation. I tried to hire someone to get my things before the locks changed, but they called soon after arriving claiming that I was trying to play some horrible prank on them and block my number. 
He claimed it sounded like there were rats in the walls and children running around. And when he went into my room, he saw something or someone he only ever wanted to describe as a really fucked up prop. He then promptly blocked my number. My girlfriend was more than accommodating, and I am still fortunate to have her. But understandably, she was shaken from what she saw. We both were and are. The only people that could make any sense of what happened were my parents, so I gave them a call. They were devastated at what happened. My parents explained that they were afraid this exact thing might happen and that it only would have happened sooner if they told me the full extent of our tradition. Apparently they knew me better than myself because they assumed if I knew, then I'd be motivated to prove them wrong. And even without going that far, they were right. They didn't want me living in fear as they had. Always stressed about what could be lurking in every dark corner. My parents knew that what they were asking may have seemed silly, but in the grand scheme of things, it would have been so much better to be hidden from a lifetime of fear in exchange for a weird tradition. And now I'm paying the price. My dad had always been a quiet man, but he got emotional when he told me his story. Apparently not all the entities are the same. When he was a kid, he mentioned that what appeared was much closer to looking human than what I had seen. He named the entity Jim, and they'd been secret friends for weeks. They'd play together and Jim would take him out at night to adventure around his town. One night, however, Jim became erratic and told my dad that if he ever got rid of the box he called home, he'd drown my dad in the lake. That night, my dad got scared and had a nightmare about Jim holding his head under the water. He woke up and ran to tell his parents everything. He recalled how his dad rushed into his room, grabbed the box and lit it on fire in the backyard. My dad can apparently still hear Jim's screams as he burned. That morning I woke up to him burning the box he had sworn that a perverted version of his childhood friend had taken up residence. Jim screamed about how he'd make sure I suffered the way he did until the fire made him fall silent. I didn't know what to say. I had so many questions that they couldn't answer. I still didn't know how this happened or why. Is our family cursed? Or is this something other people have to deal with? I don't know. Either way, I know better now. And I really suggest anyone reading this heeds my warning too. Never leave an empty box open. You never know what'll move inside. Our local grocery store started selling products that don't exist. Nostalgia can be such a fine feeling. A smell linking back to an almost forgotten encounter. A movie that transports you right back to your childhood. A taste reminding you of a much simpler time. The town of Marvel had a way of giving you this intense sensation every day through every month. I think most of the reason for it was the seclusion of it all. Marvel is rather small, 
We only have the essential shops to fulfill our needs, but if we really wanted to escape to a bigger city, then we would have to endure hours in the car. You might think we'd find it hard to breathe. Mum, Dad, and I hardly ever left town. If we did, then it was only for a bigger purchase of something we could not get here, or for a vacation during summer. Nobody ever left Marvel in autumn and winter, as that's when we'd make our money for the whole year. You see, this tiny place in the middle of nowhere is quite the tourist attraction. Maybe it's due to the beautiful nature surrounding us, or the coziness of our unique little town. And as soon as the leaves start falling, the visitors start rolling in. They take walks through our medieval old town, have cake and coffee in our cafes, or go hiking through the woods surrounding us. I always had a special place in my heart for the cold season. It brings some rolling into our own town. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy Marvel, but the older I grow, the more I'm craving to see the big world, meet new people, see what is out there. The visitors give me a sensation of what that might be like. This year I swore to myself to enjoy the cold months the best I could, as I would be moving away for college next year. It would be the last year I'd help my parents in the coffee shop, and the last year I'd get to spend with my two very best friends, who lived on the exact same street as my family. Little did I know that this year would by far be different than anything I'd ever witnessed here. It started with something as banal as it can be. Our supermarket. I know we're like nostalgia, but we still live in modern times and can buy the same things that are sold everywhere around the country. We only have one supermarket in town, but it is as big as they come. It sells everything from food to drinks, drugstore articles, and handyman stuff. Our Coke was Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Our cereal, Lucky Charms or Honey Puffs. Our Lays were half filled with air. You know, all the stuff you can get at most stores. The only difference would maybe be the fresh produce. Our milk, butter, and eggs come from local farms, which I always appreciated. Well, now, it seems like they've taken the normality out of Marville for good. It was a boring-ass Saturday, as it is every weekend in Marville. When we started noticing the changes, Damien, Tessa, and I we're on our way to buy snacks for the evening. And hopefully find someone to get us some beer. Ugh, I feel like it's gonna rain tonight. We should do a movie marathon. Tessa exclaimed on our way to the store. Autumn comes early in Marville. The hot weeks of summer were slowly coming to an end. We had spent almost every day by the lake and the months passed like seconds. It felt like last winter was only yesterday. Damien's blonde curls were growing out Tessa's sun-kissed tan was slowly fading, and I was getting ready to go back to help my parents selling coffee and tea. Soon the first visitors would come in. Some come for a day, some stay for days, or even weeks at the local B&B. Damien grunted. What fucking movie have we not seen yet? Do you have a better idea? Tess hissed back. Spending basically every single day together was starting to show its toll on us. These were the last carefree days we had though, and I wanted to cherish them and do as little as we could as long as it was still time to relax. Soon, 
we'd have to get back to studying and working. The automatic doors to our local Mars store opened, and we were greeted by the cold breeze of the air conditioner. There was a distant melody playing from the speakers of the store. Something old and cosy. I guess they were trying to get us into the holiday spirit already, to frame a need for consumption. Most grocery stores have a very specific setup. They start with greens and fruits because when you start shopping your mind is focused and you might want to go for the healthy options. You start filling up your cart with them and when you make your way to the end of the store, the focus is killed and you go for the sweets. Well, my friends and I usually skip the healthy section altogether. Today, however, they caught our attention. We had only stepped in and our awareness was sharp. What the fuck? Tess whispered. None of the fruits looked remotely like anything I'd ever seen before. There were bananas, three times the size of the ones we know with a purple coat. The apples were tiny and came in plastic buckets. The cucumbers were shaped like pretzels. This had to be a joke. But since when did grocery stores care to play with their customers? This is hilarious, Damien said and walked up to the strawberries that all looked as if someone had taken a bite of them already. I had no idea what to say and my initial reaction was laughter, though deep inside, I knew this wasn't funny. I felt a knot tie in my stomach, something was awfully off. We continued walking through the aisles, looking for another customer or worker. Marvel was a small place, after all we knew almost everyone who lived here. We didn't see anyone inside, but our attention was focused on the colourful items on the shelves anyway. At first, I thought the crop had just been awfully weird this year, but the packaged products were even more astonishing. Every single item had been replaced by a new version, everything was similar to what we knew, but just slightly off, just a tad different. The coke was green, crisp packages were vacuum sealed, not leaving any air inside. All the brand names had changed just enough to make us take a second look. Reese's? Mr. Plopper? Or Vanish Ed? Maybe the owners changed and they're only selling off brand stuff because it's cheaper or something, I suggested. And they decided to exchange everything in one night? I was here yesterday and I swear. It was all normal. Damien responded while walking towards the shelf and touching anything he could get his hands on. Let's ask her. Tess started walking up to a woman dressed completely in black with a top hat completing her outfit. As she saw us approach, she turned around and smiled. Well, hello there, kids. How are you doing on this swell day? Um, hello. Are you from around here? I asked. She shook her head, never breaking that smile. I wasn't, but now I am. Tess and I looked at each other, not sure what to respond to that. What do you think about the products in this shop? Damon asked. They are terrific, wonderful, delicious. She responded. Oh, Logan, sweetheart, you should get some of these biscuits and broskets for the coffee shop. She said as she gently grazed her fingers down my face. They felt like sandpaper. I had no idea how to respond. I'd never seen this woman before in my life. I thought she was a tourist. 
Without saying another word, she turned around and continued shopping all while humming some melody. It took me a little time to realize that she was humming to the music coming from the speakers. It was still the same song that was playing when we walked in, as if it was going on a loop. This is so freaky, Damon whispered. Are we dreaming? Tess chuckled, but I didn't feel like joking around. I was genuinely disturbed. Let's go to the register, I suggested. The only cashier working that day was Matthew, a guy we knew from school. He was a bit of a bully and rude every time we came to buy anything, honestly, but today he looked different. He was smiling and humming, just like the lady, and waved furiously when he saw us. Matt, what the hell is going on? What happened to the store? I almost shouted. He shook his head while making intense eye contact. Absolutely nothing happened. What are you talking about? We didn't buy anything and just walked out. Damien suggested getting some of those weird snacks, or at least the crazy fruit. But being in that store somehow made me feel nauseous. I felt like I was on the brink of passing out. Altogether, I was simply feeling wrong. That's the only way I can describe it, and so I told my friends. I would be going home for the night. The closer we got to our street, the more tired I became. I started wondering if I was hallucinating, but it seemed as if my friends were witnessing the same peculiar events as me. We said goodbye and all went to our own homes to check with our parents. As I opened the door to our home, a shiver went down my spine. I smelled something cooking in the kitchen. Something both sweet and bitter, but the scent wasn't the weirdest part. The same melody from the Mars store was coming out of our radio. Mom! Dad! I shouted. Oh, honey, you're home! Come in, love! We were just about to have dinner! My mum was wearing a dress and white gloves. My father was dressed in a brown suit. Is there a special occasion? I asked. What could be more special than a dinner with your family, my dear son? My father responded in a dry tone. I took a seat and swallowed. Um, Mum? Dad? Have you been to the store today? Why, yes. I went just this morning to buy some flutters and breaks. My mum casually answered. What? She pointed at the pan that was filled with some weird substance. It looked gooey and was formed into squares, like a mixture of pudding and crackers. Both my parents looked at me as if I was the one losing my mind. My stomach started rumbling again. Maybe I was getting sick. I wondered if I was having a fever. I'm sorry. I'm not feeling so well. I'll take a little nap, okay? You're not eating with us? My mother asked with a strange twitch in her eye. I'll eat later. I mumbled and made my way up the stairs. You better! I heard my father shouting from the kitchen. Now... I don't have to tell you that something awfully off was taking place. I simply couldn't understand what it was. I felt like I was losing my mind, and things didn't stop there. When I woke up again, it was dark outside. A look at the alarm clock resting next to my bed showed me that I had slept for five hours straight. I felt like I was starving, and wondered if all the weirdness of the day 
had just been a dream. I rubbed my eyes and stumbled out of bed, ready to go downstairs and grab a snack. Normally my parents would be asleep by now, but I still heard some commotion from downstairs. I grabbed my phone and suddenly, everything that happened earlier became far more real again. Do not eat anything, we'll explain later. Tess had sent me this text a couple of hours ago. I texted her back and tried calling but got no reply. Slowly, I opened my door to see what my parents were up to. At first, I thought the door was locked but after pushing a little I realized it was blocked by a pile of food laying in front of it. All things I didn't recognize. I tiptoed towards the stairs. This was the first time in my life that I had ever been freaked out by my own home and family. And then I heard them. My parents were talking and laughing, but they weren't alone. There were a bunch of other voices I didn't recognize, but the one sound that stood out was the melody. They were still listening to it. There was no way I was going down there to confront them. I got back to my room as fast as I could, locking the door behind me. My heart started racing. The cold sweat was giving me shivers. And I felt completely out of my mind. I always knew Marvel as the sole definition of the most wonderful place on earth. It is safe and cozy and nice. It looks just like you would imagine Santa's village. The people are friendly, even the tourists. But now, something else must have crept in here. Something that doesn't belong. And it is somehow connected to that grocery store with the items that are just slightly off. I have no idea what to believe anymore, but I feel the deep need to get out of here before more of them appear. And this concludes part one of the ongoing series titled Our Local Grocery Store Started Selling Products That Don't Exist. Wowza, the first tale about the creatures that live in empty boxes? Absolute nightmare fuel. If something slowly crawled out of a box, stretched its limbs into your living space and tells you that your home is theirs, well, what the hell do you do? I think I'd run screaming something like crikey feckin' Moses and not sleeping for a couple of weeks, whilst never looking at empty boxes or box factories in the same way ever again. Thinking about it, are box factories just demonic spawning grounds? I'd rather never know. A big thank you to Bryony97 for this tale and for their approval. And the second story about the town slowly succumbing to strange music, even stranger delicacies, and the populace bending to some alien will. What's the first thing you would do? I think I'd grab a whole bunch of non-alienified foods, you know, things that don't sound like third-rate knockoff products, stuff them in a bag and leg it to my friends. Or would you stay, enlisting to the thought that better the devil you know? Hmm. Both are risky, but I think out and about on your own clout would be the least riskiest. Also, not gonna lie, if they sold broskets in the store, I'm buying one. I don't care if it's alienified. <laughs> Thanks like I did for your approval to narrate your tale. It was an absolute pleasure. 
mates, I want to thank my Patreon supporters that allow this podcast to constantly push the envelope when it comes to audio quality. This month, I've been hammering better music and sound effects, and it's all thanks to these people. First up, my two Odinite Titans, Maya and newly enlisted Odinite Titan R. Mello. Welcome, mate. This is one high tier of support, and a limited tier of support, as a matter of fact where I'm constantly trying to find ways to thank you, or at least provide value. Either way, it's because of people like you two that supercharged this podcast. Thank you so, so much. And my two white tea warlords, I own Cows and Lee Bauer, the cavalry of this podcast, riding with Patreon support in hand to bolster my auditory defenses. Too metaphorical? Perhaps. But I just want to say thank you both for supporting the show in the way you do. Also, Lee, thank you so much for your email. I'll be finishing my own email and responding to you directly this Sunday. Cheers for your patience, mate. And of course, my ogre enforcers. Chad Warren, Just Heather, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffelli, Tasha Moncrief, Christina Boyd, Divided by Zero, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, Tea Time Drinker One, and Chris Moller. Thank you lovelies for being so lovely. Can't wait for some more OTRs this Monday, but for now, have a kick-ass weekend, mates. Take it easy, and as always, till next, we meet.